How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Armchair Referees Podcast. I am the man, the myth, the legend, the real motherfucking genius in the house. Three and one. Fake Oculus. And I am the bearded brother from another mother, the one, the only, Chip Bayless. I am the smartest man alive! Oh, I'd pump the brakes there, <laughs> fake. Let's, let's, let's cool the jets there. I called the Titans upset. You did. And I knew he got that score down to a fucking T. <laughs> Nearly got it down to a T. <laughs> and then all of y'all motherfuckers were like, no, he's dumb. He don't he don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Are you, ta- are you, are you talking about, talking about, the, about. You, you're talking about your Chiefs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even, I didn't want to it was high scoring. I didn't want to interject this show, but this clown, we were just talking before the show, and he was sitting here like, oh, yeah, you're right, and you're right, this, you're right, that. And then all of a sudden, now he's like, I'm God, I'm Jesus, hallelujah, praise me. Obviously, Until I brought him back down to earth with the Seattle game. I see you, uh, fucking Chip over here didn't see the meme war I was starting in our, in our, on Facebook between us. It completely went over my head. I didn't even know like what you were trying to like. <laughs> I'm the smartest I was like, I, 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 was like, I don't know if he's trying to like start a meme war or if he's just like gloating. <laughs> it was a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of got more gloating out of it than a meme war. I was sitting there thinking to myself, a shootout. What is a shootout until? Doesn't the game have to be close? Close, to yeah. <laughs> Instead, we got like a 51-24 shit kicking. It was 51-31. Well, like they when they scored garbage time. Yeah. <laughs> Defense decided after halftime we're actually going to start fucking playing. So, <laughs> and and you were losing hope though. You were the one. Over I, here. I did. I did. Well, when they hope. were down twenty-four nothing, I was starting to give up on them. Like I said before the show started, if there is an offense that is capable of coming back in a game like that, it's definitely Kansas City's. It, yes, I will agree with that one. But you, as being an Eagles fan, you of all people. Know it better than anyone. Halftime when Andy Reid gets down to, like, just starts getting blown the fuck out in the first quarter. He starts getting, I don't, I don't know what the fuck happens to him, but that's usually spelled to end for any Andy Reid team. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, because, like, you figure, honestly, though. Because it seems whenever that happens, he goes away from the bread and butter. That's worked all year. He starts getting, like, so he, try, he tries to, like, get Mahomes to go back and pass, like, 40, 30, 40 times a game. Well, that, that is our bread and butter. <laughs> the thing about <laughs> it is, though, bread and butter. yeah, but he's, he's not a runner, though. He's all about throwing the football, though. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, when they were down 24 nothing, that's why you saw Mahomes dissect the Texans' defense, yeah. though. Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about the 49ers-Vikings. Uh, we we called it absolutely. We we called it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Kirk Cousins he had his moment in New Orleans for the wild card. That was his shining moment. But and I knew all, going to San Francisco was like not. All I have to say, Kirkie. 
is everyone needs to quit doubting Richard Sherman. <laughs> He's still a number one corner. Still got it. He still has an everyone's just like, oh well, he oh, he's he getting older. Good. He's in San Francisco now. Like, he's yeah, it was no. it's he's getting older. He's nothing without the Legion of Boom. It now, okay, Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman. Okay, he's the number one corner. Everyone needs to get off his dick, okay, and just realize this. Um, Niners played phenomenal. They played to their game plan. Uh, Titans, Ravens. This is the big one. This is the big one. This is the upset of the year right here. They are the first defense to actually physically get after Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I think they had, what, four sacks? Titans had, like, the perfect game plan to stop Lamar because what they did was they kept Lamar instead of having Lamar Jackson try to go north-south they kept him going east and west yes and that's where he struggled now the thing is with with that they the reason that they were able to do that and understand this people is because of the secondary that they have they have a secondary that's able to play man-to-man so that they can get away with constantly having a spy and that's what they were doing. They were spying Lamar Jackson the whole entire game. And the only reason they were able to do that is because of the secondary that they had. Not every single team can do this to to the Ravens. You have to have a secondary to be able to take away his offensive weapons and be able to have a spy on him 24-7. And once again, the Titans defense making two, not one, but two crucial stops on fourth and short with Lamar Jackson. I loved it. And as I said, they're the first defense to actually get after him. I think they had four sacks. They would have had five. I forget who the hell whiffed on it, but, like, it, it was a whiff. It was like the ugliest. They just gave up. They're like Albert Hainsworth, just like, oh, I almost had a guy, but I'm just going to lay here for a couple minutes. Let me, let, me, let me catch my breath. It was the biggest whiff of the world. And, of course, he, like, trots for, like, a 30, 40-yard run. It's just it's just what will mark that, – that's, that's – what it is, if you don't get him the first time, he's going to be gone. But in saying that, Derrick Henry went off again, man. What a what an animal. Dude, he even had a passing touchdown. <laughs> I looked almost exactly like the Tim Tebow jump touchdown. I think Derrick Henry did that a lot better than Tebow, <laughs> to be truthfully honest with you. I it, love you, Vabril. I love you. Thank you for calling that. Uh now we are going to go into the Chiefs, Texans. All right, I'm going to be honest with you. When they went up 21, I'm like, well. 24. No, I turned it off at 21. <laughs> <laughs> Some fan you are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 20, right after that block punt. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is just how this game's going to go. You're booking your next golf outing. <laughs> I'm like, this is just how it's going to go. Pack your fucking Hawaiian T-shirt, there, Andy Reid. You're off to the Pro Bowl. You know that's get, what get I that thought Hawaiian it was shirt, be. Big Red. I thought that's what that's what it was going to be. And then I'm over there just keeping up with it with Google. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm just bad luck. <laughs> Maybe I'm just bad luck, and I shouldn't be watching my team right now. Then we score a touchdown. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna turn it back on. <laughs> Here we go. But to do what they did, man. I mean, to just go off and just score. 51 points just completely. They scored so many touchdowns, they ran out of fucking fireworks at Arrowhead. Okay? <laughs> I, did see, I, I did see that on Twitter. They ran out of fireworks. I'm like, Jesus. 
I think the last time the actual NFL team did that was, I think, 2017 when the Eagles played the Broncos. I think we scored, like, 50-some <laughs> points on the Broncos. And there was a thing I saw where, like from, like, Lincoln Financial Field. They're like, due to so many points and so many touchdowns, we officially ran out of fireworks. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience. Damian Williams looked amazing. And come Like, he looked rocky as shit. Everyone just looked rusty. Yeah, that first for, half of I mean, Kansas City in that first half. Two crucial third down drops. I mean, from especially one from Kelsey, which very one one was bye bye Tyreek, but Tyreek got fucking annihilated when he dropped that. So like I, I don't we all know it. Tyreek's not what you would call a possession receiver. He's a deep threat. he gets away with his speed, and that's why. Like, don't get me wrong, he's sure handed. Like, you know, whenever you throw it to him. He's not going to go out there and just drop it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he isn't no fucking Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> <laughs> out here dropping babies. <laughs> but he got annihilated on that. So, like, I, I to me, I'm like, eh, that's okay because he got fucking rocked. Now, from then on, after that third down drop there, they just heated the fuck up. Damian Williams looked good. Um, Tyreek started picking it up. And Kelsey, for a guy that was playing hurt, played phenomenal. Yeah, they definitely rallied around Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. They definitely, like, they were showing, like, Mahomes, like, uh, going off on his offensive line, like, pumping him up and everything. And ever since that, like, Mahomes just picked everyone up and just Mm -hmm. did his thing. Now, where I guessed wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Where fake was wrong. Packers... Beat Seattle. A-Ron got his revenge. A-Ron got his revenge. Now, it was a close game. It was a great game. Like, that's games that you wish for in the playoffs. It was a back and forth. Defenses were there. Offenses were there. It was... Now, I think... about Green Bay's defense, though. They got the Russell Wilson. Like, he was doing everything he could to, like, pull magic out of his ass. Like, he usually does... He was running around with chicken with his head cut off. And the other thing was, they shut down Metcalf. They shut him down. Four receptions, 59 yards, that was it. Which is surprising because, like I said last week, I mean, I was hearing stuff about, like, Green Bay's secondary doesn't do too well against the deep passes. and Well, he, he can't throw it deep when Russell was never able to set his feet. <laughs> True, but I'm just saying, like, there was – these so-called analysts mm-hmm. out there saying, "Oh, Green Bay is terrible against the deep passes," but well, it, I I think it's a completely different game if Seattle's offensive line keeps the pressure off of Wilson. But Wilson had so much pressure in his face the whole entire time. You know, what, what are you supposed to do? So it's I think it's a completely different game if Russell has time, but Russell never had time to do anything. So Green Bay. Played it to a T. So now we're on the championship Sunday. Fake hockey league. Your Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting the Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Tanny Hills. This matchup scares me. This matchup worries the shit out of Titans me. Titans have nothing to lose, man. They have nothing to Been lose. Been the road warriors throughout the entire playoffs to go to Foxborough, knock off New England, go to Baltimore, knock off the Ravens. Now they're, now just, they're now, going to Arrowhead. It, this matchup scares me. 
One, Kansas City has a problem stopping the run. Up until, you know, these past five games now. Five games now, because we did fairly well against Houston, slowing down their run game. Um, Titans' defense is fucking phenomenal. Like, no one's going to argue that. They've been playing out of their fucking mind all year long and all throughout the playoffs now. Tannehill's not turning the ball over. And he's playing smart. He's definitely, mm-hmm. like, even before, like, the wild card, I even said, the Titans can make it as long as Tannehill's smart with the football. And these past couple games, he's been mistake-free. Mm-hmm. You don't see him fumbling. You don't see him throwing picks, like. And they have, you know, that. And that's a surprise story, six. too. Like, if you would have told me before this season that Ryan Tannehill <laughs> would be leading, would the, be Titans. leading the Titans <laughs> to the AFC Championship game, I would have asked you what you were smoking. I would have smacked you in the face and called you a dumbass, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, now, actually, I wouldn't have said that because, you know what, I've been saying it since the beginning of the year. You don't give up a second-round pick unless you're planning on using the guy. Titans knew what the fuck they were doing. They put the pressure on Mariota. Mariota did, crumbled underneath the pressure. Couldn't keep his job. They threw Tannehill out there. And ever since Tannehill took over, they've just been awesome. I said it from the very beginning. You don't give up a second-round pick unless you're planning on using the guy. Now, as I said, this game worries me. We're going to see another high-scoring affair. Especially <laughs> when Tennessee has this six foot eight fucking behemoth that looks like Andre the fucking giant in the backfield running through fucking <laughs> holes, and Derrick Henry, who's also the rushing king, and the guy can move. He's fast. He's he has to be the fastest six foot five guy I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Watching him run, it kind of reminds me of like the old school like NFL films, like old old days like NFL, yeah. like Earl Campbell. Dude, that stiff army put on fucking. <laughs> <laughs> he, he turned Earl Thomas completely around. And, like, Earl Thomas had no idea where he's even at. Like, he just shoves him. Earl Thomas looks around. He's Derek Henry's not even there. He tries to shove him again, dude. It's so great. I love it. Stiff arm turns turns him around, and then he just gives him another just for like extra measure. And he's like, "Fuck off me, <laughs> Earl! Get away from me!" <laughs> but, uh, All right, fake hockey. We've come to the prediction. What's it gonna be? Are your Kansas City Chiefs heading to Miami? My Chiefs are heading to Miami, but. In a close game. And the re- and it's not going to be high scoring. This is why I'm saying it's not going to be high scoring. Because of the way Tennessee plays the game. They're, they're a possession team. They're going to run the clock. They're going to... Kansas City offense may only see the field maybe 10 to 15 times. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a little bit more. I may be like over-exaggerating it a little bit. But... That's Tennessee's gameplay. Keep the other offense off the field. Keep our def- our de- our offense on the field. And they do that with their power run game. And they have the perfect back to do that and the perfect offensive line to do it. But what I'm predicting is Tannehill's played way too fucking well all year long for the way he really is. He This is where he's going to slip up. Shows he's going to slip colors. up one time here, and that's going to be the end of it. So... I have my Chiefs by three. Twenty-four, twenty-one. Twenty-four, twenty-one. I like that one. 
The biggest pressure, though, is definitely on Andy Reid. This is going to be his seventh conference championship game. He's been to five in Philadelphia, six last year with the Chiefs. This will be number seven. Pressure's on big Andy Reid here, man. Big Red is definitely pressured in this game. It's either do or die. Either he's actually going to go back to the Super Bowl and finally win his ring, or it's just going to be when's it, when's it ever going to happen. Here's the thing. <clears throat> if this plays out the way I think it's going to play out, so you guys are going to hear a little bit of an early prediction from me. The Hockey League household is going to be split. <laughs> Now, for what most people don't know, I'm originally from the great state of Wisconsin. 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 Okay, we're Southern Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> I am the only Chief fan in my family. <laughs> the rest of my family are Green Bay Packer fans. If this plays out the way I think it's going to play out, it's, I'm going to have to stay away from my family household for a while. <laughs> because if it is Kansas City, Green Bay, in the Super Bowl, my mother is probably never going to speak to me ever again, especially if the Kansas City Chiefs win it. <laughs> and that's another like proposal I want to propose to you right now because dating back three years ago when the Philadelphia Eagles went to the Super Bowl, I did a little betting on myself and said, if the Philadelphia Eagles win Super Bowl 52, I will go out and get a tattoo. <laughs> now, fake. If your Kansas City Chiefs go to Miami and win Super Bowl 54, will you get a tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I practice. Wait, tattoos don't phase me. I, I have a comp almost yeah, a complete almost, sleeve yeah, on my right arm. Sleeve, yeah. <laughs> Which is getting finished in February, so maybe... Perfect time. <laughs> yeah. In February, while I'm getting my sleeve finished, I'll just add a little bit of a nice little ink yeah, somewhere above me. Tramp stamp right above your ass. Tramp stamp right above the ass. I ain't getting no tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> if Derrick Henry like runs all over him, at least just have like the tramp stamp that says, Derrick Henry, enter here. <laughs> <laughs> Property of Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do that. And you know what? It, if my Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, will Chip will you come I will, with me? I will help, I, dude. I will help you. I will book your appointment. I'll even split costs with you. You will have to come with me. And we'll get we'll video it and put it up on Facebook. There we go. So book it. There we go. Sunstone. That being said, though, going back to the prediction, I got the Chiefs in a close one. Also, I'm going to say 30-27. I I like it. I guess it's hard for me to predict anything above like 24, just because of how much the defenses. Well, that the defenses and how much Tennessee holds the ball. Um. So, it's a, I, I got a 24-21. It's hard for me to predict anything higher than 20, 24 just because it, also if you look back at all of Tennessee's playoff games so far, 
nothing's really gone above, I think, like 22. Or what, what was the final score of their – yeah, Patriots – Gets Patriots, it was 2013. So, like, it's that they just hold the ball they, so much. Tennessee's just coming into this game, though. I mean, they're not even, like, buying into, like, the underdog thing. They they have nothing to lose. Oh, if you look, if you listen to any of those players, they believe they're all year long. They, they've they've had the team to be able to go to the They're Super finally Bowl. getting the respect they deserve. And I've been saying it all year long. <laughs> Next, we get to the NFC Championship game. The San Francisco 49ers and so the Green you Bay guys, Packers. You guys got a little bit of a spoiler um, on my pick who's, who's, who's going to win. I have Green Bay in this, and I have Green Bay on the other side of the spectrum of the Tennessee Chiefs game. I think this has a little bit more points than the Tennessee Chiefs game. Not high scoring. But I, I'm predict, predicting, like, 60 points combined in this game. I could definitely see that. I mean, I definitely see this game being a lot better than what it was earlier this season on Sunday Night Football when the 49ers completely dominated the Packers. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be a shootout between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo. The thing about it is, though, San Francisco's defense, that's going to be the big key right there. My thing with San Francisco is – Yes, Richard Sherman's been consistent all year long. Bosa's going to be eating up the Packers' offensive line to get the Rodgers. Just Bosa, that, just that yeah. front in general, because you got. But that's that's the thing. The Bosa, Buckner and Bosa, Solomon Thomas and all them. Bosa and Sherman have been consistent all year long. It's those other guys on the defense that occasionally, like we've all seen it, they they just go into la la land sometimes, and like they disappear. Solomon Thomas is the biggest one out of all of them. He just disappears sometimes. <clears throat> I don't know if it's just certain matchups, if he just gets out-muscled. I, I'm not too sure what it is, but he disappears. And so is DeForest Bunk- Buckner. He disappears as well. Now, I love the fact that they went out in free agency and got Quan Alexander. I think he's a very underrated middle linebacker. I, you know, He's what that position is turning into now. I completely agree. Ton of speed. I definitely like Kwan Alexander. He was with Tampa Bay. He was definitely very underrated even there, too. Cause mm-hmm. The guy has a ton of speed. He can line up with some of the best tight ends, and you're not worried about him getting beat, especially the way the tight end position is going nowadays. Where, you know, you got practically six, five wide receivers out there that, you know, weigh about the size of, of these linebackers most of, most of the time. So. Uh, but as said, in saying that, I do have Green Bay in it, and the reason I have Green Bay in it is Family. because no experience. They've been there. Coaching staff, not so much, but a that'd be something too, like especially Matt Lafleur being his first year, like to take Green Bay all the way to Super Bowl's first year. That's definitely an awesome accomplishment. That just like solidifies Green Bay's eye right there. But like we made the right choice, they can already say they, that they say, made they, the right Oh yeah, choice. absolutely. Because even with even if McCarthy would have still been there, I don't think Green Bay be in this position. Yeah, I, I because think there was just too much turmoil between there was too McCarthy much turmoil. Rogers, yeah, they they just weren't getting along anymore. But at the same time, I think McCarthy just needed to change scenery, and so did Rogers. I think they were just at ends. 
Listen, I have Green Bay 38-34. Okay. I was thinking of 34-31. Yeah. It's, I'm predicting like 60 points combined yeah. somewhere around up in there. I guess that would technically be 70 points combined on my end. But you, you know what I mean. <laughs> like a little over 70. But, yeah. So you got your Chiefs against the Packers, and I got the Chiefs against the 49ers. Yep. We shall see how it unfolds. They said – I part of me kind of hopes San Francisco makes it <laughs> so, that, so that my mother will continue to talk to me. So. <laughs> um, now, had they said who's going to be the Pro Bowl captains yet? Mm, I don't think so. We really got to talk about the Pro Bowl right now because that's such a meaningless game. No, no. Oh, I, thank I you. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I really that don't. Was, I really didn't have talking about the Pro Bowl in tonight's episode, but I mean, that, that that's was, a weird flex, but all right. That that was just pure uh, curiosity. Um, now, what I do want to talk about is that there's continuing this coaching carousel going on here. The Browns have found their next victim. Uh, you mean head coach. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, excuse me, not victim, head coach. My bad. Sorry, Cleveland. <laughs> Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings offensive coordinator, the same guy that coached the the 10 points in a divisional game. <laughs> Fake your thoughts. Um, Here's the thought. I'm convinced... <laughs> That both the Giants and the Browns are just following the same mold here, and there's like, you know, hold my beer here. <laughs> They're sitting in that kitchen while it's on fire, just drinking a cup of coffee. This is fine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you still, like, where is McDaniels here? <laughs> still in New England. Here's what I predict <laughs> McDaniels. Do Jacksonville. Because now that is the only logical landing spot for a top-tier coach prospect. I say that's the only spot that's even open I could I, I think of. Because here's the thing. He's not going to leave New England for another offensive coordinator job. Like, that's not going to fucking happen. So, it's... Like I said, like we said last week, I mean, it's, it's basically like Lane Kiffin. Good coordinator... Just terrible, terrible head, head coach. coach. Unless, like, you know, he fucking turns it around. Like, who, who the fuck knows? You know, maybe. Doubtful, but maybe. <laughs> oh, fake, fake. We, we have some breaking news. Congratulations, Jason Garrett, on your new job as, get ready, the Giants offensive coordinator. Staying in the FC East. Um... The fuck? Honestly, though, I hold my beer. No, no. Like I said before the show, I like this because not only does he already know the NFC East, he's gonna help Joe Judge with this offense. But the only thing I don't trust is Dave Gettleman in that front office. That's the only thing that just turns me away from the Giants because it's just like, yeah, it's great you got a guy that knows the division. 
has head coaching experience, and he's going to help Joe Judge with crucial moments in games because he's not going to completely derp something out of proportion. My thing is, I don't like anything that the Giants have done in the past two weeks. Well, the Joe I Judge know, hiring, absolutely, because everyone that was completely left field. I know you're you're high on the Clapper right now. Go going there. I'm not so much. One, he does not fit the offense. And and what they have currently on offense, he yeah, does but not do you, fit you gotta get Jan, uh, Daniel Jones. You gotta build around him. Jones isn't the guy they got to build around. Their offensive line's basically nothing but a bunch of <laughs> turnstiles. Jones isn't the guy they need to build around. They already have their key piece sitting in the backfield with tree trunks for legs. <laughs> okay. What? Yeah, but I get I get that Saquon's <laughs> definitely taking the pressure off Daniel Jones, but at the same time, like you have to build an offensive line around him because their offensive line's nothing but a bunch of turnstiles. But what I'm saying is... The Giants need to be looking at what Tennessee's currently doing. That's the kind of offense that they need to build around, that they need to be building towards. They need to be spending first-round picks on offense linemen, much like the Cowboys have been doing. That's what, I've been, that's what I'm saying. But that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not Jones they need to build around. It's the guy in the backfield they need to build around. They need to get possession receivers. They need to get yeah, but I've been, say, I've been saying this since Saquon got drafted. Ever since he got drafted, I'm just like, they're – they're going to be taking a couple of years off him because he's pretty much going to be the offense. Hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> but they need to solidify that offense line first. They need to go out and free agency. They need to spend first-round picks like the Cowboys have been doing on offense linemen, and they need to build around Saquon and just pump that defense up. Think about this too. They got to get receivers. I mean, Evan Ingram, he's a decent tight end, but their receiver core just doesn't cut it out like Sterling Shepard, Golden <clears throat> Tate. Nah. Well, Tate Tate's in the twilight of his career. Great in Detroit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Golden Tate just doesn't do anything for. Yeah. Does At least nothing. not anymore. Now, if it had been Golden Tate five years ago, it would have been a great signing. But he, Golden Tate is just isn't the same receiver he was five years ago. Yeah, let's be let's be real. They signed Golden Tate in the hopes that they could get a number one wide receiver for no money at all. Yeah, they, they were exactly like that, and they were also. And I think the other reason that they signed him was just <clears throat> purely to bring in a veteran wide receiver, a veteran player on a very young team. So, because I'm pretty sure they brought him in after they got rid of Odell. They did. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically, it was to fill a spot. Fill a void. Yeah. Fi- well, just basically fill a roster space with a veteran that can help these very young wide receivers. Um, as, as For the most part, I don't like anything the Giants have done so far. I, I don't like their head coaching hire. I don't, I don't like Jason Garrett as an offense coordinator. I think they could have gone a different direction with that one. Um, they fired. They hired completely the wrong New England guy. <laughs> they, they wrong guy, right team, wrong guy. Well, because he probably got the Bill Belichick stamp of approval, and the Giants just bought into it. Well, that's that's what I was saying last week too. Because 
the Giants were so high on Matt Rule. They wanted Matt Rule. But then Matt Rule took the job in Carolina, and I, to me, I still think that was such a panic move for the Giants to go out and get Joe Judge. Their GM woke up in the morning and go, oh, fuck, we don't have a head coach. Um, and the first guy in his contact list was fucking Joe Judge. And he's like, hey, you want the job? <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that's how it went. Now, <clears throat> the other speculation is about your team. My Philadelphia Eagles? Mm-hmm. A certain wide receiver coach is very high and very interested in the job. Are we talking about the Hines? Number 86. <laughs> Number one in your hearts if you're from Pittsburgh. 86 in your program. <laughs> Hines Ward. And you know what? He did a damn good job in New, New Jersey. Uh, with the Jets. Yeah. He did a damn good job with the Jets. I think he would he would be the perfect candidate. I completely agree. I would love to – honestly, I saw it the other day. I would love to have Hines Ward come in and be our wide receiver coach because, like you said, I mean, he did a phenomenal job with the Jets receivers, even though it was, like, outside of Irby Anderson. I mean – Did a phenomenal job. And – because I always forget how the fuck pronounce his name. The GM of – the Eagles. Howie Roseman. Yeah, Roseman. Listen to me. Deuce Staley <laughs> needs to be your offensive coordinator this year. See, the rumors... Give have, him a go. The names that have been going around Philly has either been Jim Caldwell, former Lions coach, <clears throat> got the experience. I just don't think he's... I don't just... He's not, he's not, not really... He's not, not fit. Not creative. Like, we need something... That's going to give Carson Wentz the... Here's the thing. The Eagles have always succeeded whenever they promote in-house. Yes. Ha- have they not? Exactly. I, I've, I've wanted Deuce Staley to get the offensive coordinator job for the past couple of years. But yet, He's a they... former player. He's been in your organization for how fucking long now? Since Andy. He's been the running backs coach for I don't know how long. Since Andy. Exactly. So like he give co- him he the coached go. up he coached up Brian Westbrook he coached up LaShawn McCoy pretty sure those guys turned out pretty well in Philadelphia yeah, they fucking did <laughs> give him the chance yes I completely agree I would like I said I've been wanting Deuce Staley to have the offensive coordinator job for years like it's a it's a low risk move that could have you, high rewards yeah you already have them under contract. Make him promote him, make him the offensive coordinator. If it doesn't work out, he stays a run back coach and he's doing a great job doing that. So where where is where is the risk here? There is none. I mean, like I said, I've wanted him to be our OC for a while. I mean, I definitely like Deuce. He's definitely I mean Doug Peterson, let's be honest here. He's got Carson going back 30, 40 times a game. We can't be having that. We yeah. need to at least establish a run game, and that's why we got guys like Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders. I, I, honestly, you guys is right. Your guys' backfield is on point. Wide receiver needs to needs be drafted. De- definitely, for sure, definitely. There's no <laughs> doubt about wide receiver. That's definitely the bleeding point of our <laughs> offense. And maybe draft a left tackle because let's be honest here, Peters isn't getting any younger. Yeah, I definitely see Jason Peters being gone this season. They well, they did draft Andre Dillard this past year in the draft, which. 
he was our first round pick out of Washington State. So he he blocked the stash daddy. He was the stash daddy's blind side of Washington State. Mm-hmm. But that being said, yeah, I definitely see Jason Peters being gone. Hopefully Lane Johnson will be fully recovered and ready to go by next season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Eagles just continue building inside the offensive line. I mean, they're obviously going to get wide receiver. They're definitely they definitely got to get secondary because Malcolm Jenkins ain't getting any older either, or any younger, excuse me. Maybe, so, is that a threat? You say he's He's not getting any younger or older. Uh, yeah, so – We'll we'll see. It's only like like we're like what we're weeks three of like most teams off season so far here. So yeah, there's bound and determined to be because now the Vikings are looking for a new offense coordinator. There's there's plenty of moves that are going to be happening here. So we'll see how everything plays out. Uh, now we are going to go back up to Foxborough. Well, technically, Beverly Hills. <laughs> Julian, man, you're just living your best life, man. He's he's living, man. I would. I, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to party with Julian Edelman. <laughs> what like what happened in New England? <laughs> New England used to be like that team. Like you never. Well, because heard anything be, no, coming no, out because of that locker room. Here's the thing: they're so used to playing in January. Now that they're out, they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. <laughs> You got Julian Edelman flying out to Beverly Hills with Danny Amendola and Paul Pierce, who used to play for the Celtics. <laughs> They're out partying in Beverly Hills. Next thing I know, next morning, here's Julian Edelman getting arrested for <laughs> dancing and being on top of her Mercedes. Hey, hey, what, what's going on? It's like, you used to never hear, like, before... I'm convinced Aaron Hernandez started this all. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Since the Aaron Hernandez Gronk draft, you you constantly hear shit coming out of New England's locker room. Aaron Hernandez kills a few guys, and then Gronk. Gronk you used to always hear shit about. Gronk. Did you watch that Netflix documentary? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I just finished it this morning. Um, Loved I was, it. I was actually watching it today. It was very good. While I, th- I thought it was FIFA. great. <laughs> <laughs> Because I got the new FIFA 20, and I'm over there playing FIFA and watching. He skimmed it. And watching uh, the Aaron Hernandez uh, fucking documentary. Like, and if no one's seen it, great watch. Need to watch it. Must see. It, you know, there. I learned things about Aaron Hernandez that I had no clue about. Especially, like, the homosexual, like, part yeah. two. That, that yeah. was completely, like. That came out of left field. I, didn't I was like, wait, wait, what? what? He slept with his quarterback from high school. He was boning his quarterback. Talk about going from tight end to wide receiver. <laughs> no disrespect to the Hernandez family, but like I didn't know about his home life either. His it, home life yeah. sucked. Yeah, like that. his dad was so strict. Mom was getting beat the hell up every night. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I she looked know. at him wrong. Didn't like, know about his home life, um, and his first few concussions, like his first one, he got knocked out cold. You know, so that like that solidifies the CTE stuff. Uh, his attempted murder charge and how he was afraid, like he was, he requested a trade. Didn't know that he requested a trade. To try yeah, to I didn't know out. that either. Um, just multiple things. 
Uh, so, as I said, if you haven't seen it, like, we, we aren't going to spoil too much more. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go out and watch it. It's a great documentary, and it's actually going to change, like, your perception on Aaron Hernandez. Because, honestly, it's a tragedy, and what happened to him, what led up to, to everything. Um, oh, yeah, basically everything from, like, his home life, all the way, like, high school, University of Florida, to the Patriots, to whenever. Like, I didn't even know that he, like, soft committed to UConn. Oh, yeah, because his brother was the quarterback there. Yeah, I didn't even know he had a brother to play quarterback for UConn. I didn't even know that. Uh, it's a great documentary. Check it out. Next, we got some sad news in the NFL. But I think this was I wouldn't a say, smart Yeah, I wouldn't decision. say sad. Like, it, you know, I mean, it breaks it, it, it de- some guys' de- hearts. But it's definitely, like... I don't know. I mean, definitely going to make an impact. I mean, because you're not going to see him on the field anymore. Yeah. Uh, in case everybody hasn't known, Luke Keekley announced his retirement at the age of 28. Are we starting to see a trend here, Fake? I wouldn't say a trend, mainly because there there's a handful of guys that have done it. Now, um, Chris Borland, for, for an example. 49ers, yep. Um, he played one season. For the Niners, for and, the Niners then, and then called it and a then career. retired. And I don't know if you ever seen his video out about it. CT. Um. See, because he put out a video, like he did an interview, like a, a year after he retired, and he's like, "I started forgetting things. I, you know, I wanted to retire while I was still healthy." And be able, you know, be able to do all these things, and like kudos to him because he went back to the University of Wisconsin, got another degree. degree. Yep. You know, kudos. Do you do you? Um. Patrick Rose was another guy who retired. I think he was like what twenty nine. Let's say about tw- like, yeah, late twenties, early thirties. Uh, Calvin Johnson retired. Or I think he was thirty when he 30, retired. Yep. And then you had um, Andrew Luck this past year. But all, all these guys, it was one of those things where multiple injuries led up to this. So, I think I don't think it's a trend. I think it's a thing of like I said. I think it's a guys smart, just getting beat up. It's yeah. Well, yeah, because they're realizing you that too, their body's all the not concu- holding up. All those concussions that Luke Keekley went through during his tenure in Carolina definitely led to this. I'm just tired of seeing people try to like compare like. Luke Keekley to like Larry Fitzgerald, who's going into his 17th season, mm-hmm. he announced this week. It's a complete different position. You don't have Larry Fitzgerald going out, going full speed, smacking into guys. Yeah, meet, meet, going into a hole, meeting guys like fucking Derrick Henry. Exactly. Like, like you're, it's you're not, a completely different position. And that's the thing I loved about Luke Keekley too, because he even said during his retirement, like he played fast. That's just the way that he was. That's just the way to play. If, if fast you and physical. Yeah. If you can't play the play the way that you want to play and if you're you know if you don't have the love for the game anymore or like you know you're waking up and it's like and you're acting like it's just another job get out of the game just like Andrew Luck Andrew Luck lost the love to play the game that's what he said during his retirement speech he's like I just lost the love of the game and I think the reason of that just like he said was you know I don't think he ever played a full season healthy so every single year, it was him having to recover some from some major injury. 
Now, <clears throat> producer Dev here, I wanted to add something to it. I think part of this has to do with the Carolina Panthers' success over the last several seasons where Luke was in there playing hard, playing great ball, and that organization just kind of like pissed away and did not use his talent at all. I could see a similar situation playing out with Saquon Barkley possibly in the future as well because mm -hmm. there he is. He's playing at a high level, and, and he, of course he probably doesn't want to go anywhere else because he's already thinking about his health. And then there, there was this opportunity, and now he's seeing the writing on the wall. Oh, they need another quarterback now. They're, they're running away from camp. We, we, and when you get another quarterback, you're committing pretty much to a two, at least a two to four year rebuild. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the thing with McCaffrey too. It's like you're going to be treading, you're definitely going to be wearing the tires off McCaffrey in years because if you're going to do a complete rebuild, you're going to be relying on Christian McCaffrey to be your offense. Much like they already did. This year. They already did this year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're starting to see it now. Yeah. It, it's. It's, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's more of all these players just realizing and seeing the writing on the wall. Too many injuries. Um, I get lost the love of the game. Shit like that. So, it's. I don't think it's a trend. I think it's just certain players being smart. We now we get to college football. Fake. Who called the LSU season? Yeah, you did. Who All said right. that Joe Burrows was going to win the Heisman? Who said they were going to go to Alabama and beat Bama? And who said it was going to be an LSU-Clemson national championship where LSU was going to come out victorious? You did. You did. <laughs> you did. All right, listen, listen. It was a great game. <laughs> it was a great game. Down 17-7. to seven. The score in the first not, half, and they just yeah. completely scored 21 straight points to end the first half. The score does not reflect on how good of a game it was. Exactly. Very good game. Very good game. LSU just took over after halftime. It, it was LSU's game after halftime because Clemson in the first half, when they it when, well, LSU like their put, game to win it. LSU put 21 straight points up, and that was like mm -hmm. at the end of that was like towards the end of the first half. So I think after that, like after that surges in the second quarter by LSU, they just completely dominated the rest of the way. It's much like the Chiefs game. Yeah, almost like the Chiefs game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, in the first quarter, that looked like Clemson's game to, to win. Like they, they were playing to their game plan to a fucking T. So. Clemson's quarterback just didn't want to go to the Bengals. <laughs> Has, he hasn't. Lawrence hasn't declared yet. I think it's going to happen. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to declare. Um, I still have yet to see anything about Burroughs. Ne neither have I. And I think I this... think Burroughs is like, I'm going to stick with Coach O for a year because <laughs> he's like, I ain't going to Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm not being part of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, during the LSU postgame celebration – we kind of have a half-and-half half NFL college football story here. What the hell is Odell Beckham doing? I completely get that you're celebrating your alum. Smack ass! <laughs> Dude, you quit trying to steal the like, spotlight. Yeah. Handing players all this money, smacking a police officer's ass. Like, come on, dude. Here's the thing. Handing players money, 
Odell, are you trying to get your fucking former collegiate team under investigation by the NCAA? You're, you're just asking for them to get sanctioned here. You're, that's what the fuck you're doing right there. Like, we get it. It's your alum. You should be happy. But be fucking smart about it. The fact that I didn't like either is just like he's in the locker room, like giving these like pep talks and everything. Like, yeah. dude, you weren't even riding this team the, throughout the entire season. Like, like there was nothing during the season where they're just like, oh, we go live at like Odell Beckham's place where he's celebrating LSU's victory yeah. over Alabama or something. You didn't even see Odell Beckham until after the national championship game. Like, I get the fact mm. that he's an LSU alum and everything like that. And it's proud, like a proud alum to witness your like alma mater win a national yeah. championship. But dude, come on, dude! Like, try to steal the spotlight by doing. Like, be act, smart about this. Acting shit. like a jackass like that. Come on, man. Uh, now another thing we're going to be diving into here, and when I pitched this to my wonderful co-host, he wasn't all about it, but he understands we got to talk about it. Yes. Now, did you see what I shared to the uh, page tonight? The district attorney. So, if you read that, they're not pursuing charges. The district attorney is not pursuing charges because there's not enough evidence. And on top of that, so when this first came out in Penn State, I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. It was, what, eight years ago? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was a senior in high school whenever that Jerry Sandusky stuff broke. I was a freshman at Penn State. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Is Penn State going to be SMU 2.0? I couldn't. No. Nope. I, 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 you know, I couldn't digest it because I'm like, if this shit is true, you miles is good and just give us the SMU death penalty. Now, some of Why this would stuff you, is, and, and, is true. That's the other thing, too, because... This reflects back on James Franklin also because we just gave him that extension. Now, if, if you read if you read into some of the stuff, because I did, some of the stuff that came out is true. Now, in saying that, Penn State this time handled it correctly. Yeah, Not entirely correctly, but they handled The fact of the matter is, like, they... These are these guys that are coming into our program. These young guys, yeah, they cannot be saying stuff like that. They they did an investigation this time. They found out to be some of the claims were true. Now, should have the guy only been suspended for one game for violating team rules, and then be allowed to continue to play the rest of the year? Fuck no. He should have been off the team. They would have made a statement right there. And after, especially after Penn State is still technically coming off, because off of this that, That's really too, because it's, it just came at such an ill time. Like, we, uh, they like should have, have we hand- not learned our lesson from what happened eight years ago? Yeah. With they, the whole NCAA sanctions where we had to sit there for two, three years and try to have Bill O'Brien try to coach this team up and say, hey, guys, we're still a football program. We're we're not going anywhere. This and that, like, so, just so ill timed. So the district attorney is saying that they're not pursuing charges against Penn State. 
That does not rule out the players. Franklin. The coach, yep. Play and the players. That means, Penn State fans, that you're still looking at a possibility of the NCAA getting involved in this as well. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, Franklin and the university are not out of the woods yet. Because in one of the reports, I read that this player and his father brought it to the attention of James Franklin. He did nothing. They then brought it to the attention of the university. The university did an investigation. They found it out to be true. And then they suspended the guy for one game. One game, that's not long enough. We'll start right there. Slap on the wrist, honestly. Yeah, it's it's definitely not long. You guys have not stated clearly what the... You guys are talking about what is the what did this kid do? Okay, so it's not just one kid. Okay, what did these kids do? Okay, there so was a hazing situation. It, at it Penn was State. a as they they put it. Basically, so Penn State football up. is accused of violent sexual hazing, and one of the players was basically like telling the recruits that were coming in that they were going to Sandusky them. Yeah. So if we dive into this. Um, the guy that, the young man that is following the lawsuit is Isaiah Humphreys. Isaiah Humphreys is no, no longer with the university. He transferred to the University of California. Um, the several upperclassmen players that are all being. Uh, Pretty much draft prospects. Indicted. All the, all the players that are being indicted on this uh, investigation and this lawsuit are Damian Barber, Mike Pearsons, and... I don't know. These are your fucking players. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. The last. Yeah. Oh, Gross Matos? Yeah, you got Gross Matos and... Fuck is that? Jesse... Uketa. Uketa. So, um, the biggest one that they're going, that he's going after is Damian Barber. So Damian Barber is the one that's, that he, that the bulk of this lawsuit is about. Um, the upperclassmen intended to make the new guys their bitch, quoting this, um, from the get-go, telling them this is a prison. He claims the upperclassmen also made threats against the new guys, saying things like, I'm going to fuck you, I'm going to Sandusky you, this is Jerry. Uh, Producer Dev over there just with a (laughs) chuckle. The alleged Sandusky quotes obviously refer to this uh, disgraced Penn State coach who was convicted of sexual assaulting many young boys at the school athletic facility. Allegations such as get much worse from here. There's a list in the lawsuit. Upperclassmen wrestle lowerclassmen to the ground and place his genitals on the face of the lowerclassmen. You really got to get into detail on this. And upperclassmen would hold down the lowerclassmen and present his area. Because we got to know. Because I was sitting here like going, why are you guys actually talking about it? Like, what is happening? I have no idea. Pre- present his penis close to the face of the lower classmen and, you know, 
basically simulate masturbation. Humphrey claims the upperclassmen would put his area on the buttocks of the lowerclassmen and yet again simulate masturbation. Sometimes the victim would was naked in the locker locker room shower. Upperclassmen would grab lowerclassmen by the uh, by the genitals. Humphrey claims that his father reported he and his father, and this is where I'm going it going into about James Franklin, reported that the hazing to the members of the Penn State coaching staff, including head coach James Franklin, but nothing was done by the team specifically. So everyone's going to be looking at James Franklin now like a Joe Paterno. Like, yes. That's How, great. However, Humphrey says that the Penn, uh, the Penn State University Office of Sexual Misconduct Prevention and Response launched its own investigation after receiving an anonymous complaint and ultimately found that Damian Barber violated school rules by hazing players. Barber was suspended for one game of the 2019 football season for a violation of team rules. The team never publicly um, put it out there on why Barber was suspended. Ultimately, Humphrey says he, he had enough and transferred out of Penn State of University and went to California where he's currently playing for the Golden Bears. There, There's more. Humphrey claims that the he was threatened by James... Uh, Waluka? Is that how the fuck you pronounce that? That's Luketa. Yeah, Luketa. That if Humphreys ever visited his city, he would he would make certain he was gunned down upon arrival. Humphreys is suing the Penn, uh, Penn State, James Franklin, Damian Barber for negligence and internal internal infliction of emotional distress. Also suing Barber for individ, individually for assault and battery. So, this is huge. Now, the DA, as said, came out today. They put out a public statement saying that they were not pursuing any charges against the university itself because the university, I'm guessing, pure speculation here, because Penn State did their own internal investigation. I think that's the only reason that the DA is not going after the university. As I said, though, that does not put James Franklin out of the woods and does not put these multiple other players out out either. Because here's the thing. That, that Jesse guy, he can still be sued for terroristic threats. And I know a bunch of players for Penn State took to Twitter after this all came out, you know, trying to defend their head coach and the university, which, like, you know, we get that, that that's, amor- that's honorable. But if this is all true, are we going to see the death penalty from the NCAA on Penn State? If the DA came out with no evidence, then if Penn State did the correct investigation and the DA came up with no evidence then I don't see them getting the death penalty that being said I can't relive what happened eight years ago when I was on campus seeing all these CNN Fox News ESPN I was on campus I had to witness all that shit yeah I can't go through that again on uh, Penn State like I, I just can't like that being said though am I saying that they're out of the woods? Absolutely not. 
What I am saying is, though, I mean, if there's really nothing the DA could really come up with if the, at the university did the proper investigation, then I don't see them getting a death penalty. But so, like, that that first one, the first few sanctions they received, that was university-wide. Like, I know that they were cut back on scholarships, Scholarships and wins. So that was that was university wide because they took away scholarships from the basketball team, the the baseball program. That was oh, just any athletic yeah, program. That was that was university wide, and they they also lost some of their funding there for a while as well. Now, who's to say the NCAA doesn't get involved and they take away just scholarships from the football program? And they hinder the pro- and you know they sanction just the football program over this because of what because James Franklin did absolutely nothing after these report after he, you know because he was told about this stuff and chose to do nothing about it. That's where I think Penn State can get caught in a rut here. That's exactly the rut they're in eight years ago. Everyone said, oh, Joe didn't do anything about it. And that's that's what I'm saying. That's I, why we were in the situation we were in with the NCAA eight years ago. It's just like, like I said, I, I, I would hate to see us go through it again. And the other thing is, and why I say I think the NCAA might get involved, because if they, they only suspended that Barber kid for one year. I mean, for one game. Like, that's not enough. He should have been kicked off the team. He should have been expelled from the school. That's what should have happened. Well, I don't know about being expelled from the school. I mean, cooked off football teams, one thing, one thing but to just get rid of someone's education like that? Come on now. Well, that's normally what they do. Is Like, if you're kicked off the team, you lose your scholarship. Well, yeah, but you can't but, just but, kick someone straight out of college. Like, Well, okay. Mate, but that's the trend. Nine times out of ten, whenever these kids get, you know, they get kicked off the team or something like that, most of the time they get they they get expelled. For something like this, I think that would that would justify an expulsion because technically he didn't only just violate team rules; he violated university rules. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm just completely saying, like you were saying, like he'd be completely kicked out of the university. I'm just like, come on now, like, well, who's trying to the- get an education here? <laughs> Who's who's to say that that probably wouldn't have happened? Is is all I'm saying. Either way, he should have been kicked off the team. If if for something like that, yeah, like ill time remarks and situations like that. Absolutely, I completely agree with you from that point. And if he was, you know, if the reports in here on what he did sexually to these lower classmen. Yeah, how would how would a, uh, a a school receive someone who basically would be perceived as a sexual assaulter and a uh, yeah. uh, basically a predator at that point? You know what I mean? Like, I, I that, that, that's what I'm. So basically, I, I we're getting that's to the point. What I'm so basically, we're getting. He so the it's getting to the point now where where you got like James Franklin going out and recruiting, or any Penn State the, the scouts for Penn State, they're going to be going to these kids' houses, and that's going to get to the point where they're basically going to be asking. Okay, do you respect others? How do you treat underclassmen? I don't think it'll get to that point, but I'm, I'm saying that... Well, the person in the there's going to be personal questions. Like, yeah, there, 
and it's the, and, it's going to get personal on these recruiting visits. And and the number one question is going to be asked by most most parents of these kids that are that Penn State's trying is to recruit. My, is my child going to be? Is my kid going to be safe? Is my kid going to be treated the way he should be treated, and not held to the freaking floor and you know, teabagged? Yeah, basically. <laughs> you, you know, it's that's going to be half the questions now. Whenever these these scouts and these recruits go to these kids' kids' houses, like this is a, another dark day for the Penn, for Penn State. And, like, we're, what, a week into it? Not even. Yeah. So, there's bound to, like, we are going there's to de- cover it. Definitely. As much as most of us don't want to cover it, <laughs> it's going to be covered, you know. Penn State needs to be smart about this. End of fucking story. I think the, the university is doing a fantastic job because ever since yeah. eight years ago, they definitely learned their lesson. Like, just it's keep just doing it's, what it's doing. the football program that needs to like James Franklin. I don't know what he's doing, and like I said, I don't know if it's I don't know if all this is completely true. Just ill time remarks from players, man. Like you cannot be saying stuff like that. Because like I said, I I can't see us getting a death penalty, but at the same time, I don't want to see that program go through what it had to go through eight years ago. That's just where I'm gonna end that. Right then and there. Here's the my my thing is. As me being a parent, I, I, you know, if I found out this was going on with my kid, with my son, I promise you right now I'd be losing my fucking mind. And I'd be pulling my kid out, out of that school and I'd be like, you need to find somewhere else. Well, yeah, absolutely. Play. Transfer. Like, I completely agree from that aspect like, you as are well. good, Like, my kid, I, I would be damned if my kid would ever have to go through this. Um. So, but we'll we'll move on from there. Speaking of more uh, allegations, allegations going on, <laughs> the Houston Astros. Yeah, um. <laughs> I'm afraid to even have our cell phones out anymore because I just feel like we're being watched, and they it's like they know our every move. <sighs> Stealing third. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't bang a trash can. Houston. Houston. You basically just tarnished your World Series championship in this. Carlos Beltran didn't even get to fucking manage a goddamn he, game. Yes, <laughs> he didn't even get to manage a single game. And the fact of the matter is, I love how this article came out that he said he stepped down. He didn't step down. The Mets fired him, plain and simple. He knew his ass was on the hot seat. He knew what he did was wrong. It was going to be a matter of time until it finally came to flourishing. He, he, he didn't even get to manage a fucking game. He was so he was out of there faster than fucking Bill Belichick was out of fucking New York. <laughs> <laughs> so the Astros did fire Jeff Lundhau and A.J. Hinch. Do you fucking blame them? They were I don't blame suspended them whatsoever. a long entire year. Don't blame them whatsoever. Like Not only were they suspended a whole Absolutely year. just tarnished that World Series. And I I was rooting for Houston in that World Series, too. It. 
now we're getting to the point now we're going to be looking back like five years, 10 years, 15, possibly 20, even 30 years from these teams that might come out and say, hey, we did this in like 2005 or, hey, we did this in 1998. Well, I mean, there, there's always stuff coming coming out. Like, you know, it, it's kind think of like... About, think about his baseball. It's always been happening. Yeah. There's always been signs stealing. Most of the time, it's the guy standing on second we're base talking looking like Babe, at the We're catcher. talking like Babe Ruth days. There's been... But that's it's, it's a completely different thing whenever the guy's standing on second base and he's figuring out your signs to recording <laughs> signs and using them and studying them. You know, it, it's a completely different thing the guy's st- standing on second base and he's looking at the catcher because he has a clear view of it. Yeah, you know, too, if because you even have like you even have the outfield walls, like with even with like hidden cameras in the outfield walls, because they're sitting there recording the yeah. Like it said, it's completely different. If the guy standing on second base is over there looking at the catcher, looking at the signs, and they're not mixing them up or anything like that, or truly trying to hide them, that that's on the catcher and that's on the pitcher. And kudos to the guy standing on second base, but you know you're out there physically like videotaping it and hiding cameras in the fucking outfield wall that's that that's a whole different thing right there so so to reiterate to your question is this something that we're going to see coming out more and more often let's be honest here people everyone fucking does it everyone's over there trying to figure out fucking signs and shit you even had people that were even like upset about even during like the steroid era, like. Well, like, 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 do we even have to go back to the '80s whenever like every single baseball player was fucking snorting cocaine? I'm surprised they weren't fucking running down the fucking first base line just <laughs> <laughs> trying to hit up the chalk. <laughs> like every like or that uh, who who was that pitcher for uh, the Pirates? It was Doc something. The guy was high on LSD when he pitched a fucking no-hitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, he thought the fucking ball was a fucking bat at one point in time, okay? Have you ever, <laughs> se- you, have you ever seen that documentary? I've never seen that documentary. Oh, it's on Netflix. Uh, it, I'll have to look it up tonight. It, it's a 30 for 30, okay? Okay. It, it was a pitcher for uh, the Pirates, and he was high on LSD whenever he pitched a no-hitter. <laughs> like just out of his fucking mind high and at one point in time you would he think thought that'd the be ball like, was a bat you would think that would be like such an impossible task trying to throw like an 80 90 mile hour like mile per hour fastball while you're high on lsd i'm surprised that ball wasn't going in like the like into the stands or like Here's the thing, but like completely that, out of the box towards so, the dugouts. So that guy, he was so addicted to drugs, right? About half his career, he never pitched a game that he was not high on something. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like Aaron Hernandez. Like, you know, he was always high. He was chain smoking fucking blunts. How the hell this guy passed a piss test is beyond me. <laughs> but it, it's maybe Josh Gord should have hit Aaron Hernandez up before he passed away. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, dude, 
Tell me your secret. Help how do you pass out. piss tests? <laughs> um, but that, that being said, though, like with Carlos Beltran, AJ uh, Hinch, are those guys even? Are they going to get the Pete Rose treatment? Are they not going to be allowed to be part of MLB ever again? Are we going to see these guys a couple years down the road try to get another major league baseball job somewhere else? Here, here's how I see it: If Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire haven't gotten the uh, the Rose treatment, I think they'll be fine. Because here, here's the thing: Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds are like the poster boy of disgrace in baseball and both those guys are hitting coaches and MLB right now plus you got the whole situation with Jeff Bagwell also yeah Bagwell's another name you gotta that he's during that era where where it came to like steroids yeah it's uh, all those guys are hitting coaches in the league right now I think Barry Bonds is still with Miami um and I think McGuire's still with San Diego right now. So. Kind of just makes me wonder there because I'm just like, if you guys are really going to be using technology to cheat like that, like. I don't know. I mean, I know every team tries to do anything to win. But at the same time, it's like. If you're caught cheating. And it's just like Carlos Beltran. You knew your ass was on the hot seat. Why would you even bother trying to stay in MLB and try to – in fact, the matter is, to be a skip. When you knew it was eventually going to come out. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. Um, He should like, continue to be like a lower guy on the totem pole there, at least for a little bit, <laughs> a little bit longer, not go after a, man, a, a manager position. Yeah, it, like, just – Ugh. Ugh. Because <laughs> here's the thing. If you're a lower guy in the totem pole, like, you're, like, you know, that's real easy to scoop, sweep underneath the rug there. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> it's okay. He's, he's not running nothing here. <laughs> you go down to, like, single A, start off there. <laughs> he's, the hit, he's the hitting work, coach. Work my way back up from, like, single A, all the way back up to the major league again. He's the hitting coach for like uh you know the Birmingham Bees or some shit. Okay, like we yeah. He's he's not <laughs> like you know, he's not he's not too influential here. <laughs> but now you go, hey, Mets <laughs> The Big Apple. <laughs> I'll take your job. And especially with that market. Oh yeah. It's uh, this baseball season is just gonna be so awkward for like both the Astros and the Mets because it's just gonna be like, no matter where they go on the road, they're gonna get heckled easily mm-hmm. without a doubt. Like, and speaking of uh, a little bit of staying in baseball here, um, Josh Donaldson found found a new home. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> He's going back north. <laughs> it just ain't going to be Toronto. No, he si- signed a four-year, $92 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. He got paid. And you know what? The guy deserves it because he played phenomenal in Atlanta last year. Didn't, like, just proved all the haters wrong. Sir, are we calling the Twins an early favorite right now? 
my thing is, where are they going to move Snow now? Is he going to play first base? Mm-hmm. Or is Donaldson, are they going to try to teach Donaldson first base? Because Snow is young. And when he gets a hold of a fucking baseball. See, I think they're doing this because I think Donaldson's definitely going to be the first baseman. Because, like you just said, Sadu's still young. So, I think give him some time to learn behind Josh Donaldson. I I see Snow, because Snow plays first base every once in a while. I see him just move uh, Snow to a permanent first baseman while Donaldson's there. So, for the next four years, Donaldson's playing third, Snow's at first. That or they play in the American division of the MLB. Snow might be a permanent designated hitter here for a while. Which makes sense. Because as I said, when the guy gets a hold of a fucking baseball, that just flies. <laughs> and they play in a hitter's park. Oh, and, yeah. It's oh, like target, my God. Target Field's definitely a hitter's park, no doubt about it. I mean... Even just like it's almost just like Colorado. Like you can go to mm-hmm. you can go to Colorado, just gently tap a ball and that thing flies. I could hit a home run in fucking Colorado. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and other news: Mitchell Ocho Cinco might be a kicker in the XFL. I love it. He already has his Hall of Fame jacket. He's going for another one for the XFL. <laughs> That's a question. Where, where would you actually see the XFL Hall of Fame at? Like, NFL is Canton in Ohio. Where would XFLs? Somewhere in the Carolinas. And the reason I say that. <laughs> he didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate on this. Somewhere in the Carolinas. It's good. The reason I say that is because the WWE's head office, I think it's in North Carolina. Bristol, Connecticut. Oh, is it Bristol? Yeah, same place as ESPN. Oh my God! Oh, I didn't know that. Disgusting, terrible. Yeah, that what? No one says. No one says, "Boy, I can't wait to go to Connecticut for the XFL (laughs) Hall of Fame." (laughs) Then maybe it's maybe somewhere in New York. Then, because let's be honest here, this is Vince McMahon we're talking about here. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. (laughs) If Mister McMahon is gonna do something. All I, got, all I got to say is he did, like, the perfect timing for the XFL to start up because not only does it start up a week after the Super Bowl, we're also going to have XFL through the NCAA Men's March Madness Basketball Tournament. And then what's even better is the XFL Championship game. Oh, it's just the same weekend as the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, listen, I, I, I wanted to say this formally that Producer Dev will be a Vipers fan. Yes! I was, I was sitting there on the fence. Yes! No! Producer Dev is joining the right team. I, I, was, I was sitting there, I was thinking about it. I saw the signing of Antonio Callaway, and I said, those unis are too dope to deny. Yes! I have to, go, I have to go Vipes. And also, I did want to propose this, boys. They will be playing the Defenders in end of March in D.C. And the tickets are, per- are fairly reasonable. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would have to 
agree with that. Are, are we thinking... Are we thinking about an XFL game? Road trip? <laughs> armchair referees special in Washington, D.C.? To the nation's capital? Maybe. Armchair reps do America? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. And we have to do, like, uh, Photoshop of, like, Beavis and Butthead on the motorcycles. <laughs> Two bikers and ask them, Tim, can you get on their motorcycle for a second? Like, can I sit on your motorcycle for a second? Be like Harry and Lloyd going to Aspen. Dumb and dumber. Maybe we'll do like a little thing on Facebook where like we'll chop up the trip down to Washington, D.C. XFL does have gear out now. They actually do have a gear shop. Yeah, I gotta get a Battlehawks jersey. Like, that's happening. Viper stuff actually looks pretty dope. I was like, I'm not even gonna lie. I might purchase a Viper shirt. So, like, I know we were gonna say this for next week's episode, but we got to talk about this. We we have to. We're on the XFL stuff right now. We're gonna talk coaching hires in the XFL. Mister Bob Stoops, the Stoops is back. <laughs> this time in Texas, not Oklahoma, Texas. He's gonna be the head coach for the Dallas Renegades. I like the Bob Stoops hire. I do. Do you want to know who the Vipers have? Mark freaking Tressman. You got Tressman. Hey. <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, he didn't really. He, he did well in, in the Canadian Football League. Sucked in the NFL. Yeah, that was. Um, that whole Chicago Bears experiment. Yeah. That was no bueno. But we'll see. We'll see how he does in the XFL because honestly, the XFL rules wing closer to the Canadian rules, so he might succeed here. Maybe. And I was like I said, I was actually thinking about breaking this down for next week's episode because I wanted to get into like the rules, the teams, the yeah, well, we predictions, like stuff like that. Give you a little bit of sneak peek in next week's episode. We still are. I just want to talk about these coaches. Um. Houston Roughnecks have Mr. June Jones. And you know what? That just, like, matches Houston right there. <laughs> Who's your head coach? June Jones? <laughs> it's not Jerry Jones. It's June Jones. It, it's kind of like whenever um, the Houston Oilers first came into the league. They had, um, fuck, what? what, what? <sighs> Buddy Ryan. Yeah. No, it wasn't Buddy Ryan. Houston Oilers? Yeah. As their head coach? Yeah. Guy wore a fucking cowboy hat and shit. Um, I can't think of his fucking name. I'm thinking, but like, when I think of Houston Oilers, I'm thinking Buddy Ryan. Well, yeah, but he was their defense coordinator. I'm just a Buddy Ryan guy. That's uh, I, I, I just like Buddy Ryan. The Los Angeles Wildcats have Winston Moses. Don't know anything about this guy. Um, he was a linebacker in the NFL. He was formerly the assistant head coach and linebacking coach for the Green Bay Packers. He was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1987. Wow. <laughs> oh, and he played at the U. <laughs> Uh, now, 
the Seattle Dragons, they have Mr. Jim Zorn. I love this. I love this hire. <laughs> you bring in a former Seattle guy. I love it. We'll see. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't think Jim Zorn has any more than – I don't even think he's next to nothing in coaching experience. Uh, well, he – Let's be on. wait, wait. Who, who's he the coach of? Uh, Seattle Dragons. Seattle. Oh, that's – Obvious. That's a no-brainer. A guy named Zorn is the coach of a team called the Dragons. Well, that he played. Like he mid- played for Seattle. He was the quarterback for Seattle. The Seahawks back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as a coach, from '98 to '91, he was office assistant and quarterback wait, wait, coach. '98 to '91. Yeah. <laughs> he was. What do o- coach backwards? <laughs> Sorry, 88 to 91, he was the offense assistant and quarterback coach at Boise State. And then from 92 to 94, he was offense coordinator for Utah State. Produced nothing. <laughs> and, then in Minis- and then he was in Minnesota as the quarterback coach in 95 to 96. Mm. He was the offense assistant in 97. Are we talking these- Minnesota Vikings or Minnesota University of Minnesota? University. like <laughs> <laughs> I had to click on it because it just says Minnesota. It just says Minnesota. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because I'm like, we talking like the old, like mid-early 90s Vikings? Because that might be something. But then I'm like, nah, if it's just university, never mind. In 97, he was the offense assistant for the Seahawks. Uh, from 98 to 2000, he was a quarterback coach for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> from 2001 to 2007, he was the quarterback coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, so he was there during the Matt Hasselbeck days. Uh, 2008 to 2009, he was the head coach of the Washington Redskins. <laughs> How did I forget about Jim? I completely, wow. That being in my division, I completely forgot about Jim Zorn being the head coach of the Redskins. In 2010, he was the quarterback coach for the Baltimore Ravens. Decent job, Flacco. I didn't even know this one. From 2011 to 2012, he was the quarterback coach for my Kansas City Chiefs. You know, now here's my thing. How does this guy keep getting jobs whenever he has produced nothing but mediocre quarterbacks? (laughs) He he must have had some dirt, bro. He must have caught Roger Goodell, like, sucking off some dude or something. I mean, that's just impossible. It's his playing career. It's his his playing career. See, whenever he was quarterbacking the Seattle Seahawks is whenever they first entered the league when they were an expansion team. Oh, speaking of why people were getting jobs, why is it that Missouri State stooped so low and hired Bobby Petrino as their next head coach? Um, Because it's Missouri State. Yes, but you got to understand too, Bobby Petrino, of all people, the guy just keeps on getting jobs. Why, though? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it makes me feel like some way, somehow, I can get a, a job coaching <laughs> like, somewhere. Missouri State, like, they, they went so far down, they had to get Bobby fucking Petrino. Like, said, did they, were they living under a rock of like what he did during his time at Louisville? <laughs> Yeah, they just don't care. <laughs> Come on now. 
that was just my input. That being said, fake, we have so much sports to cover this week. I I'm just saying. Uh, I I I love what the XFL is doing. And most of these head coaching hires, they make sense. Much like my St. Louis Battlehawks, Jonathan Hayes, that makes sense. He is a guy that played for Kansas City. He's from that area. Most of, most of his coaching experience comes from the area. So, it makes sense to bring in a guy like that. To me, that makes sense. Um, Tampa Bay is even playing their home games at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> They'll be sharing with Tampa Bay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um... I think St. Louis is bringing... Is that the same one? It is the same one. They're playing at the Dome of America Center, a.k.a. the old home of the St. Louis Rams. They're actually going to put that shit to use. (laughs) You guys might be the next great show on turf. Maybe we will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right there, Jesus. Uh, I, I, I said, I just like what they're doing. It's a great thing. I can't wait for the season to kick off. I can't wait until, you know, after the Super Bowl. Because now we basically have football all year all around. Because, like, close to whenever this season ends, college football isn't too, too far behind it. And then after college football starts, it's like a week or two, and then the NFL, NFL season starts. starts. It's great. I love it. Yeah, but think about, like like I said, the XFL, as soon as the season's over, the championship game's the same weekend as the NFL draft. That being said, we'll have to go into baseball. Which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Unless the Phillies decide to start – we will see on that one. That's a question mark. We will get to that bridge eventually. Now, thank goodness Segura has no issue moving to second base. That's all I have to say. But the real question is, who the fuck is playing third base this year? It's a good question. And they're out there... Currently, Philadelphia is trying to find another center fielder to split time. Um, fuck, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head right now. It's fucking 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm drawing a blank. But they're out. But Philadelphia is cur- currently uh, searching for another center fielder to split time with uh, that other guy. And then Segura is saying that he has no problem moving to second base. Which works out with us bringing in, um, fucking, it was Didi, right? That's who the fuck we just brought in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With us bringing in Didi, because he's going to play shortstop, Segura's going to go to second base, Hoskins at first base, no duh. Um, so third base is a, is a huge question mark right now. Like, Kingery can play it, but he's just... He's no Mike Hill. 
he's not a Michael, and I don't trust Kingery's glove. Like he's not a corner guy. He's 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 a like second base shortstop occasionally. Like he's a utility player. Don't get me wrong; he can play just about anywhere. But he's not a corner guy. I I don't like him at third. I don't like him at all at third. We should have fucking should have kept Michael. This is bullshit. That being said, fake, like I said earlier. Yeah, because I'm going to go into a corner and cry. We had a lot of sports to talk about this week. This is probably one of the best weeks of sports we've probably had in a while, actually. Not just NFL, but college football. Not just college football, but baseball as well, with the situation that's going on there. Yeah, it said, I'm, I'm going to go to a dark room and cry. Um. Well, while you go and cry in your corner... We're going to go ahead and end this podcast. Everybody give us a like on Facebook. Give us our Johnny Manziel five-star rating. Check out the Facebook page. Check out our Snapchat, our Instagram. That is all ran by my co-host, Chip. Um, tell Tell your friends about us. Tell your family, your co-workers. Tell them where you can find us. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and our platform. Hey, Cass. We appreciate you guys. Stay good. I never test that water, just jump in. And bounce on my lines, get sunk in. I carbo low for the fight I had. Fuck bread, my noodles stay drunk in. So with loose lips, I'm trying to manje. They're trying to watch y'all shut like Kanye. But they hear my voice when I shock the cons.